This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Ackland Raish, the highest-ranking personnel executive in the NFL who is a woman, she is interviewing today for the Minnesota Vikings. She currently works for the Philadelphia Eagles and uh, holding the old job that Andrew Barry had that he used, uh, obviously worked so well in the Eagles uh in the Eagles front office and then use that to become the Cleveland Browns GM. Similar situation for Catherine Raich. She is young, but she is brilliant and, and certainly uh, has made her mark thus far in the NFL. She interviews for the Vikings today. Yeah, the Vikings have been very busy the last 48 hours. They And, and if you're wondering, okay, who have they interviewed? Who Who's up next? If you just follow the Vikings on social media, they got these these little photoshopped graphics, you know, they've got the like the headshot of the different people that they that they interviewed. Judd's going through his different poses. I'm going through all the, the motions YouTube that I would audience. if I was to have that opportunity to pose for a photo. I like love. That. I think all companies should do that. You know, I Score agree, North yeah. has interviewed Barry for a part-time you know what produ- it should be? weekend production job. <laughs> hey guys, a dating Barry. thing. A dating thing. <laughs> Declan is going out on a date with so-and-so. Yeah. And there's a picture of her, a little bio, went to De La Salle, graduated in 2000-something. You know what I mean? It's a second interview. It's, it's, it's a, a second date. Yes. yes. It's really weird because yes. I also dated a girl from De La Salle, so that was, that was kind of a freakish wow. show. Look at the future there, Judd Zolgad. That was a complete guess. Oh. Hopefully she graduated Hopefully she on the island. Um, <laughs> All right, this is Mackie and Judd, wow. Daily Minnesota wow. Sports Entertainment. I didn't go there, Declan. Speculation, therapy. So uh, let's, all right, let's, let's talk head coaching candidates here because the Vikings have begun their interview journey. Nathaniel Hackett on Sunday this last week, and there's uh, six more on their initial list. But Declan found this article from before the weekend on The Athletic, and they're using odds from, I believe, BetMGM. And so they had initial odds on who the favorites were to become the Vikings' next head coach. Doug Peterson initially was 3.5 to 1, the odds-on favorite. Eric Bieniemy was 4 to 1. Brian Dable, offensive coordinator, Bills, 4.5 to 1. Brian Flores, 8 to 1, tied with internal candidate Andre Patterson at 8 to 1. You'll notice something about this initial list. This is, the, again, the odds-on favorites according to BetMGM. None of these five showed up on the Vikings list of seven that they put out. And I guess I, you know, Doug Peterson may not have to show up. Maybe they had an informal conversation, but I find that very interesting. Do you feel like this would still reflect the odds on favorites? Or do you think the odds on favorite is on the list of seven that they submitted out to the public? Or at least that was reported before the weekend? While that list that you just read of the candidates and the odds is flawed, I will say this. Bien-Ami, don't dismiss him yet. Um, I've heard that there is still a, a good chance that they're going to talk to him. So 
Dable, I've heard zero steam about, which surprises me. Like, you would think that that, that would be a guy um, that you would want to talk to. Now, keep in mind, too, there's something here. And, again, I'll, I'll go back to saying my concern is I don't know a thing about what the actual plan is, okay? But I will I will say this. In, in the case of Biennemi, Leftwich, and Dable, their teams are playing and their teams are expected to make deep runs. And there does become a point in time, I think, where some assistants say, let's back off a little bit here. Like, I'm preparing four games. Um, and and when you accept the opportunity to do these, I guess now what are our uh, Zoom conference calls, but when you accept that, like, you need to come with a plan and ideas and thoughts. And if you're coaching a team and, and in charge of offense, right, I think that there are some who are like, hell yeah, I'm going to do that. And I think there are some who say, let's slow cook this, which is why we have seen in the past quite a few times guys who have the most success or their teams do don't get jobs immediately. So I have, I have no steam on that. I think that they are still would like to, and are going to talk to the enemy at least. Uh, but my point being is that list might not be as flawed as that list appears right now. If, if indeed we're talking about the bills, the chiefs and teams like that, trying to get to the, their coaches trying to get to the end of the line of the season and then say, Hey, I'm still here, but, but my team took mm-hmm. priority. So you're, so you're hearing that just because the is not on the list right now, he could easily be added and they might like could him. be in this conversation. Yes. And that this it's it's also possible that this head coaching search could it might not be resolved until the Super Bowl, right? Correct. Like if let's let's say the Packers and Nathaniel Hackett or Eric Bieniemy and the Chiefs if if one of those guys is it and even if they've had some interviews they probably wouldn't announce that until they can they I don't do they have can. to wait? You have to wait, don't you? If if you hire a a GM from or if you hire your GM from a team that is playing, the only stipulation is that person immediately has to leave their previous job, but they can go. So, so like, I could, if the Vikings elected to hire um, a Packers executive tomorrow, he can leave or she. Uh, coaches, you can. So, yes, you're you're right. It's got to it's got to play out slower, and there's always the chance behind the scenes that that could be the case. Yeah. Okay, let's um let's let's talk about two candidates. One that's on their current list, which we'll get to, and and he was the offensive coordinator in last night's blowout win by the Rams, Kevin O'Connell. I want to I want to dive into him in a second, but let's go down this enemy path here. Let's assume that at some point they're going to have a conversation. It makes sense. He was an assistant coach with the Vikings. He was Adrian Peterson's position coach back under Brad Childress. Um, we both covered him. You covered him probably more closely in your role with the Star Tribune. What can you, and he's, you know, he's been a candidate for a few years. He's interviewed several times with several teams. And to this point, it just hasn't clicked. I don't know if he just doesn't connect with the people that he's interviewing with or, you know, why he doesn't have a head coaching job yet. But from what you remember covering the enemy back between 2006, 2009, what can you tell the audience about him? What do you remember about him? I liked him a lot. Um, straight shooter like i i don't think that i sensed zero bs which i liked but i guess my question now is this if he's still the same way and guys do change 
But if he's still the same way, is he going to be seen as a red flag guy? And this is not fair, but based on the fact that that he's tough on players and he's not going to sugarcoat things or be your therapist. And that was sort of Mike, or that was Mike. So is that fair? Absolutely not. But that's how this league works. Like, I would say that Brian Flores has zero shot here. Uh, based on on the fact that he would be far too much like Mike. I think Todd Bowles, um, and this league always operates in, we like to hire the opposite of the people or the guy that we just fired. And so if Eric is still the same and just a savvier coach, which, you know, clearly being around Reed now for an extended period of time, he probably is a savvier play caller type of coach. Um, I think that might be an issue because I think they're going to look for a coach who does what the player said, which is be more personable. Eric was, was Phil uh, Peterson's position coach for how long? A long time, like, like five years, do you think? He, well, yeah, he was, he was on the staff for five years. He was, I think he was the running backs coach for all five of those years. He, at one point, sure he was also was. elevated to like assistant head coach. For like 2010. Okay. But yes, he was five, five years of Adrian's position coach. But those two butted heads. And now, now in Eric, to Eric's credit, I will say I believe that Eric made AP a better player. Like he challenged him continually mm-hmm. on a lot of, of things. And I don't see a downside there. But there, there was a point, I think it was a game in San Francisco, finally, and this is like three or four years in for Peterson where Eric was riding AP and he and AP finally basically blew a gasket and said, shut the bleep up. I'm sick of this. And so, and you know what? That can be constructive, but are things like that going to be seen as a negative because that's what Mike would have, have done. The, the sins of Mike are going to be held against prospective candidates who are too much like Mike. Yes. And of course, all of the, you know, you're trying to figure out, because I remember that too. I mean, I remember being at multiple training camp practices, and EB would just be lighting into Peterson. Two A, you <laughs> stupid! What are you doing? Yeah, he's definitely he's voice. And again, maybe he's we're not around him on a daily basis. You know, during his time in Kansas City, you know, maybe he softened up a little bit. But that style, I think, in two thousand twenty one, twenty two, can wear on you as a player. I, I I don't know if that can be your style overseeing a full 53-man roster. Maybe that's part of the reason why he hasn't emerged with a job yet, too. How responsible was he ultimately for 12 men in the huddle, NFC Championship game 2009? Because it was his position group that sent an extra. Now, Fahu Tahi wasn't supposed to be in the game. And and so there's been a lot of discussion that the miscommunication was on somebody on the assistant staff and Biennemi was the running backs coach. Going back to that, I seem to recall that in the immediate aftermath of that complete cluster bleep that the enemy was initially blamed, like totally blamed. Um, I heard subsequently that it was actually tight ends coach Jimmy Johnson, not that one, who was sending in, who sent in players or or who played a, a role. And also Brad's Brad's excitement himself, um, he, he would get like totally cut up in the, the game and not calm things down. Didn't help. So I think to blame Eric alone is too much. It was probably an entire 
offensive coaching staff who are on the field thing. But we found out the more people that we talked to that it probably was was ultimately shared. And it's it's not like the enemy went rogue and said, hey, Tahi, you're the fullback. Go in there. So, yeah, I, I would not at this point in time, what, 12 years after the fact, um, I would not hold that against him. But I do think if he comes in and he is still, you know, hey, guys are going to play my way and it's going to be my way and blah, blah, blah. Um, I think that there's a point in time post Frazier where that would have been refreshing. I think now it's going to be seen as, oh, boy, we sort of just had that guy. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that I think, and I don't, I'm not saying that this is fair, but that might be startling for people. If you go on Eric Bieniemy's Wikipedia page, for instance, you know a lot of fans and people are trying to figure out, okay, who are some of these people I've never heard of that are interviewing for GM and head coaching jobs? When you go to Eric Bieniemy's Wikipedia page, for instance, the Kansas City Chiefs section is one paragraph. The legal issues section is five paragraphs. Yeah, this has been yeah, and. The the latest entry is April 2001, so it's been 21 years since, and that was, uh, he was arrested for driving under the influence in 2001, mm-hmm. and then you have to go back eight years before that, so, so the bulk of this is like late 80s, college, Colorado, to early 90s, basically before he was drafted to the NFL, or like right around that time. But 1993, the enemy was arrested in Boulder, Colorado, for allegedly harassing a female parking attendant. According to a police report, um, he put his hands around the attendant's neck. Like, again, this is 30 years ago, immature, young, stupid, whatever. Still going to reflect. Yeah. And it, but, it, but it's definitely something that it's part of his resume. Right. And I don't know to what extent this scares teams off. Like, when you go to Byron Leftwich's, Wikipedia page or Nathaniel Hackett's Wikipedia page. Is there a five paragraph section called legal issues? No, no. just loves football. <laughs> just love five paragraphs. Love, he loves, loves football. football. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know, man, I've kind of gone back and forth on the enemy. Not, not because of legal issues. I mean, I'm confident that, you know, he got a DUI in 2001. That happens. People make mistakes. It's basically been 30 years since anything has popped up. I'm more curious about his personality because I agree with all the things and I observed a lot of those things too. It's like if you're looking for someone to come in here and put their arm around players, I just don't know that you're going to get that with Eric Bieniemy. And I so. think it would be – I think I think he can do it, but it's more of the tough love thing. Um, yeah, it, it's not his fault that he might have some similarities to Zim. Yeah, but they might, he they does, might just probably. be looking for – Something else. And maybe he winds up getting hired. Who knows? And then, of course, you're trying to unpack, like, Andy Reid is this offensive mastermind. Pat Mahomes over here. Like, is he, how much is he driving the development well, of Pat Mahomes, driving the yeah. offensive and schematic success, right? Or is he, like, he's part of it, but when you take him away from that infrastructure and you put him in with a different quarterback, different personnel, that it's just not going to be the same potion. To steal your phrase, I think the biggest question and it's hard to quantify it until you actually see it in action is do the hackets the enemies and guys like that of the world have the ability to steal the secret sauce mm-hmm. so it's not like well if you weren't doing it you suck that's not fair but it is how much do you know now and what can you give us 
Because if you come come in like, well, I mean, I learned a lot, but I got a lot of my own ideas that I've been waiting. In fact, I like to run the football a lot. It's like, <laughs> oh boy. But if you but if you spend four, five, six years with, with the Chiefs, and you picked up things, okay, that's intriguing, right? Because because yes. it's not fair. It's not fair to to say, well, <laughs> you you were in a great infrastructure, and you're probably not good. If you're smart and you learned and adapted, you could be incredibly valuable, but you don't know that until you actually see it. Yes. And so so Patrick Mahomes' first year as a starter, so he was drafted and basically sat for 2017. He started one game, but he basically sat the whole first year. They worked on his mechanics. They just, you know, He sat behind Alex Smith. And then in 2018, he was the best quarterback in the NFL out of the gate. And that was... Eric Bieniemy's first year as an offensive coordinator. I'm I love Nathaniel Hackett, but Hackett came along when Aaron Rodgers was already an MVP finished product, right? I think with Hackett, it's more interesting that oh, he like coached up Blake Bortles and brought that team to an you know, helped bring that team to an AFC championship game. They had a league average offense in Buffalo and went nine and seven with EJ Manuel and Kyle Orton as a quarterback. So he's been able to show it with garbage starting quarterbacks and with Aaron Rodgers. The enemy is almost even more interesting from the quarterback connection perspective because he was hands-on in the molding of Pat Mahomes throwing 50 touchdown passes in his first year as a starter. Yep. And that's, you know, credit to Pat Mahomes for being a generational talent, but there's a reason why he wasn't the number one overall pick. He needed molding. He was talented, but needed molding. And the enemy was clearly a part of that molding. Right. Coach too. I, I think the other thing that would be very intriguing to know from the Wilfs standpoint and the standpoint of this franchise is this too. So in 2006, you hired Andy Reid's OC, right? Who, who was a hot uh, candidate in Childress at the time. Um, and you sort of found out, okay, he knows some stuff, but he doesn't know. He, I don't, I don't think that Brad brought the amount of coaching acumen that they had hoped for. So, I wonder if that would be unfairly or fairly reflected at all in the thought process and discussions about Eric as well. Mm-hmm. Cause like you sort of went down that path and, and personnel wise, I think Brad was good. Like I, I like the fact, especially now in retrospect that Brad got here and the first thing he, he said, and he was correct was I'm going to build both lines out. Like our lines are going to be kick-ass and they, they were good. Um, but I think as far as in-game coaching went, play calling for sure he didn't learn nearly as much as you thought and so so if you're the Wilfs, i think that's a discussion at least do we go down the same path again and think that eric learned more about actual offensive efficiency than brad did mm-hmm. um dex if the vikings hired eric Bieniemy, what would your level of interest or excitement be uh i would i would on a scale like one to ten ten being the most excited one being not at all i i would actually have it at about a seven um, I, I don't think he's an, inc- an incompetent coach or someone that I'd be like disappointed that the Vikings hired with. Um, I think the organization's familiar with him. He he's old school, but I, I do think his players love to play for him. Like AAP, AP, let's be honest, was not the bastion of excellence when it comes to players that, um, just in general the, of, of, of character and whatnot. So I'm not going to look at like the, how he treated AP and their relationship as gospel, but he's helped the Chiefs become a legitimate offense and has exploded those playmakers. I know Pat Mahomes has a ton to do with that. But if Eric Bieniemy got hired as Vikings head coach, I could be in on that. I could absolutely be in on that. 
Yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll see if he gets an interview here. That's step one. He's got to make the list. Make the list. You got to make the list first. You know who could be? Who could be? Who could thrive? Wang Wu. Because mm-hmm. like he's a Chiefs player, right? Yeah. Like uh, like sort of a. a how, how can you get creative Jer- with Wang Wu? Jarek McKinnon. Yep, times a game. Jarek yes. McKinnon's Jarek McKinnon exploded on Sunday. for Kansas City. Yeah, he's Dude, been he's awesome. Jarek McKinnon, I, I mean, you Jets. knew when he was on the team, it was like, why are you letting him go? Yeah. Give me give me two Jarek McKinnons over a highly paid. And I love Dalvin Cook, but like, I God, love it's Jarek fun to watch Jarek McKinnon, man. Wang Wu, man. So an, another name here. Last night, Rams just beat the brakes off the Cardinals last night. And Cliff <laughs> Kingsbury might get fired now. Um. The offensive coordinator for the Rams is Kevin O'Connell. He's on the Vikings list. And I think a lot of people are looking at the list like, okay, I know who Dan Quinn is. I know who Todd Bowles is. I know who Kellen Moore is because the Cowboys are on national TV all the time. And, uh, and we've talked about Nathaniel Hackett. But you kind of you get to Kevin O'Connell and you're like, um, all right, whatever. I don't, I don't know who that guy is. He's <laughs> another guy in his 30s who coaches for the, uh, under the Sean McVay coaching tree. But he's 36 years old. He was actually a former third-round pick in the NFL. He, he was a quarterback at San Diego State back in, like, the mid-2000s. He spent three years in Washington with the Washington football team as the quarterback's coach, including 2017 with Kirk Cousins, and then one year as the offensive coordinator in Washington before they changed out the staff. Uh, he's been the Rams' offensive coordinator for the last two years. And what's the most interesting about O'Connell to me, is the tree that he coaches under. The Sean McVay coaching tree has turned out to be very interesting in recent years. You could almost make a case that the McVay coaching tree is more successful in like three years than Bill Belichick's coaching tree has been in 20. So Matt LaFleur comes from, he was the OC, he comes from, and now now LaFleur left the Rams, I believe, to go to the Titans to call plays, to get that extra year or two of experience calling plays. Yep. Uh, Zach Taylor was part of the McVay coaching tree, and now he is helping with the development of Joe Burrow, and the Bengals won their first playoff game in 30 years. Brandon Staley on the defensive side with the Chargers and the way that they've become competitive. So, you know, could O'Connell be part of this young, mid-30s collection of innovative coaches that are coming out from the Sean McVay coaching tree. For, for I mean, I would I would say that the tree itself is intriguing enough to be interested in Kevin O'Connell. What sure. do you guys think? I talked to him for sure. Um, the question again comes back to me: is is the most important thing, at least at first, is can you lead a team? What's your plan? Um, my second my second concern, but this is hard to get at, is since you don't call plays, just from a schematic standpoint. What do you know? What do you bring? Um, are, yeah, are you, you, you got to be a big time leader. Yeah. yeah, and but but I mean, I I do fear I do fear from these trees because you can get great coaches. There's no question about it. But I fear at times that you grow enamored with these coaching trees, and then if you get get the one dud, it's like okay, this is great. Like this guy can't. I, I mean, I go back to. Brad Childers' biggest weakness was in-game play calling, which was supposed to be a strength. So that's where, that's where I'm concerned. But I think in the first round of these discussions, the most important thing for a guy like O'Connell is what do you bring as far as like what Sean brings um, in guiding the team? 
because you do want, I mean, the one thing that you want to have first day of training camp is a guy, is a person walk in that room and control things in a positive way. Well, like you, you need that seismic shift. That's going to be an important thing because it was crystal clear by the end when Mike w- walked in, guys were like, oh, this is great. Right. So, yeah. well, but there's, there's, and again, like who knows? It's it's so yeah. early on. Like Zach Taylor, I think Lef- like Lafleur. I don't think it's too early. I mean, it's nice to have Aaron Rodgers, but I mean they've won thirteen games. But haven't they won like thirteen, thirteen, and yeah, thirteen the first three years? I'll be very curious to see. Like I, I think you're right, but it's going to be fun when the the first game where it's please welcome Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. I yeah. really want to see that. Of course, almost any coach is going to be struggling to get to the playoffs with you know an unqualified starting quarterback, but. With with Zach Taylor and with Brandon Staley, it's kind of amazing. Those guys, like Staley was on the defensive side of the ball, but he was he had one year of coordinating experience with the Rams, but had soaked in enough leadership over the years and soaked in things from Sean McVay. Zach Taylor spent one year as the quarterback's coach. He is and Mike that was Sherman's it. son-in-law. So that helps the get form, your... The former Packers coach. But still, like, yeah, you're not just going to hire him. He's in his mid-30s. Like, he spent one year as the quarterback's coach, yep. never a coordinator in the NFL, never called plays, but had soaked in enough from Sean McVay's tree of leadership that he got the job. And now, could he flame out, too? Maybe. He's got Joe Burrow, but though, like you said. He's off to a nice start. So, again, like, Kevin O'Connell is a name that I initially was like, I don't know, man. Like, just because you had coffee with Sean McVay doesn't mean that you're going to because that's what it kind of seems like. I, uh, you know, I hung out with Sean McVay in Vegas one time. Okay, cool, you're hired. Uh, but digging a little bit deeper, and I even watched like a half hour of press conference videos just to get a feel for his personality. It seems like, in the, in the way that he he was mic'd up a couple times, you can watch like practice videos and stuff, and like he connects with players. He's interesting. I wouldn't write him off just because we've never heard of him, and just because we might think Sean McVay is the the only mastermind there. Um, any other thoughts here as we we're, we're getting into a week where they're going to wind up with like 15 interviews under their belts here between GM and head coach, and they might even add more names. So any, any thoughts from you guys before we get to who gets it, who doesn't, I think the timetable is going to be, I think they're going to pair the eight GM candidates down to about three by the weekend. And so I think that we could have them hiring a GM by some point mid next week, which, which would be productive. Like that's pretty good. Um, Here's my thought. I got a quick thought about the fact that I think the Vikings might be not on purpose, but I think they might be backing into something that they can exploit, which they should. And it's this one. It's what we talked about with, with assistant coaches, especially right now being in the midst of if they're with good playoff teams, the potential for it, for a run. And I don't have the, um, research on this but it seems to me that it's not a bold statement to say that the trend in this league is to make your coaching hires as quick as you possibly can so that that you hit the ground running for the combine and that what we see a lot is successful teams don't have their coordinators or assistants poached until the next year if they go out because teams say we we can't wait till that like the super bowl are you kidding we can't wait I think in the Vikings case, if they do this right and just cool their jets, because 2022, it might be important, right? But what's really important is the future of the franchise. And what's really important is making sure you get this right. 
And so, so I think what we're going to see here pretty quick with all of the head coaching openings is they're going to start to get filled because teams are going to say, we got to have our guy, Dan Quinn, come on down. You'd be like, Oh, Dan Quinn's gone. Todd Bowles, you're next. Um, or guys who, who at least have had their teams eliminated. My point being, you could be sitting on a GM being very much part of the coaching search for a select few who don't get jobs because their teams make runs. And I would argue, I've always thought this thing of like, our coach has to be in place for the combine, totally in place. We got to have him infiltrated with our system. I think that's a bunch of BS. I think the most important thing is to get the higher right. And so if the Green Bay Packers, if the Green Bay Packers go to the, the Super Bowl and teams are like, well, we're out. Hack it. It's going to take too long, right? If I'm the Vikings, I'm licking my chops. Yeah. I'm licking my chops, and I'm like, hold on a second here. You're all passing? Cool. So I, I think if the Vikings play their cards right, right here and they don't panic because teams are going to start to hire coaches, and that could cause them to panic but don't, I think that you are positioning yourself for a very, um, a very savvy move, perhaps by accident, but it's really smart. Yep, no, it is kind of funny how teams, uh, we don't have to wait till, okay, the teams that are in the Super Bowl are very well coached, and a lot of those candidates are going to wind up being the best head coaches, right? You know, just look all throughout it's history. Really it's, it's great coordinators that that take yep. their team to the Super Bowl, and so you should be willing to be patient. Also, didn't they move the combine further back this year? Wasn't the combine moved to, like, early March it might have been because the Super Bowl is is hmm. later in it's February okay. than it yeah. used to be. So that's very possible. But but the point is, screw the combine. You want to get this right. Yes. Like this whole thing of like, oh, the coach won't see all of our – Your scouts can be at the combine. Yes. Yeah. You, you know, Rob Brzezinski and whoever you keep in that front the, office. The can, new GM will be yes. there. Yeah. I, I also have a feeling there's – there remains Jim Harbaugh steam here too. I feel like there's a couple little well, little bombs ready to be dropped at some point in the next couple of weeks. Like this Raiders, like Mike Mayock got Raider, fired I was, yesterday. I was going to say you know, the Raiders Harbaugh connection. Mm-hmm. Very back. interesting. Going to the Raiders, uh, the Dolphins. You know why would you blow out Brian Flores without a pretty ironclad idea of who's going to replace him? Reckless speculation. So I just feel like I don't know. There just seems like a lot percolating under the the surface here, but yeah, we'll get, uh, by the way, Alex Boone's going to join us for the Tuesday edition of purple daily. We'll get his thoughts on everything. Vikings head coach search GM search, but boys, every Tuesday on the show, we go through our lists of who gets it and who doesn't here. Let's start with Judd who gets it and who doesn't in the landscape of sports, the world, wherever you want to go. Well, the world, I'm not going to start there because <laughs> there's just too much. Uh, I'm going to start with a who doesn't get it, and it's going to be extremely unpopular on this show and elsewhere, and I just don't care anymore. The National Football League. Let's let's cut to, to the chase here. Oh, boy. Quantity over quality has gotten out of control. The seven seeds, I know they add extra games. But, my God, I believe that the two seven seeds that played over the weekend were uh, beaten by a combined average score of 18 and one-half points. You're wrong about seven that, seed- 
the seven seeds. I know that's what I just said. I just said you guys are both going to disagree vehemently, and I love that fact. Um, the playoffs, okay, lots of games. Awful. One great game, one competitive game, four games, awful. Two games, unnecessary. Well, why does the why is it the NFL that doesn't get it? Right, because, we, had, so we had some dud games. Who cares? Because because I care, and here's the other problem. And Roycey, Roycey, uh, full credit, Patrick, brought this up on Unchained, and he's exactly right. The two seeds who are good, who are really good, deserve the buy because I, as a fan, don't want, want guys getting hurt against the seventh seed. I want them playing in the more important game the next weekend. The NFL has jumped the shark. This was crap. It was awful. There was one good game. Get the seventh seeds at the very least. Get them out. Let's go back to six teams. That's who doesn't get it. The National Football League, you greedy bastards. This is the this is the worst take you've had so far in the first 18 days of 2022. Nice. So first of all, you're saying that like the risk of a player getting hurt is yes. one of the big reasons why it's want... football. Players get hurt no, yeah. but they in get practice. Hurt. They get, get them hurt in good games. Don't get them hurt in a piece it's a of playoff dumb. game. It's a playoff. You got to win to get it's there. A, it's a terrible playoff game that doesn't belong. If it's competitive, I would be okay. The okay, but okay. So terrible. let's okay, cool. So let's go. Let's just for fun here. Okay, let's look up the 2020 NFL playoffs here. There was one close um, I'm sh- I am sure that the, I'm sure that the playoffs were immaculate in 2020. No, they weren't immaculate, but I want the oh my God. games, and the seventh seed needs to be out. Out! Yeah, let's see here. So first round, uh, first round, on. of course, they're not showing me the uh, the actual games, but there are duds every year in the playoffs. You could, Judd, you could have, you could just take the four best teams and pair the playoffs out. You're still going to have dud blowout games. You're mad at the results. I'm You're mad, mad at the results. Resu- the, the, result, the results could easily have been. You, this is the funny thing. If if we would have had two closer games, which easily could have happened, like there could have just, you know, let's say that. The seeds uh, weren't competitive. It let's say happened. didn't come close to happening. Okay, but you're but you're but what you're doing is you're saying that like never will the seven seed versus the two seed be competitive, which is out. false. In 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 the NFL, bad teams beat good teams all the time. There's a ton of parity, but it just so happened that we had a couple dud games. If we would have had two closer games, you would have come on today, and your who gets it would have been the NFL for the expansion of the playoffs. But I told them not 100%. to do this. But I told them not to do this. The seven seeds are crap. They should be out. The NFL, your greed has finally gotten the best. Of you. Here's the other thing, too. All right, so the the AFC playoff picture was just a hodgepodge. Like everything was with basically from the four seed all the way down to the to the twelve seed was all within two games of each other. Uh-huh. And we came within the blink of an eye of the Chargers being in the playoffs instead of the Raiders. So, like, if – and I don't know what the seedings would have been. But, like, if we would have had a Justin Herbert game instead of, like, a Big Ben, you know, or uh, or whatever, that's what I'm saying. Like, you're making this judgment because we had a couple dud games over the weekend. And Three it's of the four. I love me some Super Bowl. Seven game. Seven seed games in two years have been terrible. I'm saying I know that there's going to be blowouts, but I want the seventh seed out because from seven on down is garbage. I don't want a close race for that seed. I don't want that seed to exist. It stops at six seeds. I'm happy. Okay. Declan, you have to break the tie here. That Super Wildcard weekend's amazing, and it's playoff football. <laughs> I don't is. care if the results stink. 
I, I, I line up my Surly Furious. I'm ready to watch some football. I don't care if the seventh seed is a dud. You know what? Sometimes I like an ass kicking. I like to watch a team kick another you team's like four ass. Of them? You like four of them? Because you got four of them. It was great. It was great. Go watch Gopher Hoops. Go watch Gopher Indiana Rutgers if that's something you don't want to watch. I'd rather watch the seventh seed. No disrespect to the Gophers and Rutgers, by the way. I'm just, just letting you, did, you know. Just, why did you have you know. to rip Ben Johnson? Little, little, little dry, classic me drive-by on, on something else that has yeah, nothing to do right. with the topic. Uh, oh, but, yeah. Well, to Judd's point, I'm going back to random seasons here, I guess. Uh, yeah. The wild card weekend in 2015-16 was so much more entertaining because uh, because there were fewer teams. Yeah, Green Bay beat Washington thirty five to eighteen. Right, that's what I'm saying. Kansas we don't City need more bad beat games. Houston thirty to nothing. You're proving my point. You're proving uh, my point. I don't we, want more bad games. We're adding bad games. Seattle and Minnesota. That was the Blair Walsh missed twenty seven yarder game combined for nineteen points. That was a great fun game. That's to watch proving for my everybody. point. We are adding. Awful games. Why I would ra- I would rather watch an awful blowout game than no game. Yeah, and a, and a game I on Monday. Have, yeah, that's I right. Would, that's right. No, no, no. I would rather have Checkmate. everybody on Tampa Bay healthy for their second game. You guys are you guys are literally appreciating crap. It's the not crap. It's, crap. it's, it's not NFL crap. playoff football. Yeah. The, the seven seed is crap. It's awful. It's How is the seven seed any different from the six seed? The six seed is borderline, but I can't stop that one. I can't stop that one. A sixteen game season and six seeds from each conference. So was you're about saying as there's a there's do. a huge gap between this year's Steelers and this year's Patriots. I'm saying the more teams that you allow in the, the playoffs, you're allowing football incompetence to permeate my television, and my TCL TV doesn't like incompetence. It likes competence, and my God, was there some incompetence this weekend? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I knew you guys would hate that take. I knew right. you guys would hate that. Declan, who gets it, who doesn't? I was going to go, who doesn't get it, Judd Zolgan. I figured we'd stop, we'd stop the argument here. I'll, I'll go with the who doesn't get it, and I'll self-report. I will self-report on something who doesn't get it, and I'm going to blame myself here. I don't get it for not giving the Manning cast its due. Last night, I tuned into the Manning cast, gave it the full four quarters, and I just want to come on this show and admit that I was wrong about Peyton and Eli Manning being fun, competent football hosts. I was against Honestly, this. I'm actually mad about this. Why? You, know you were so ridiculously like out over your skis with your Peyton Manning take for years, uh-huh. and now you're coming I out liked it. saying I liked the, the obvious. Ma- like, I oh, liked I gave it a chance, and you're right. He's amazing. I, I, I would have rather you come out and say, after taking in three hours of the Manning cast, I'm doubling down on my opinion that Peyton Manning is a bore I'd rather watch these the guests obvious come on. about face here. Disappointing. How do you denigrate Peyton Manning for all those years? Do you years? like them now? I like, I like the idea of the show. Like it's kind of awkward still. Like it's kind of awkward. Like when they're yeah, still trying to like set good. things up. Like it's still like oh that was kind of cringy. And then yeah. Peyton even dropping a, a, a bad word, which was kind of hilarious. Yeah. Like there's some there's some cringe parts to them. But I like that The Rock was on. I, Russell Wilson was must-watch TV. I'd rather watch that than watch what we've been getting from Monday Night Football booths. That's what I liked about it. And that's why I'm saying I am I didn't get it. That's what I'm saying. I didn't get it, and now I understand it. And I'm all about self-reflection. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay with admitting that I was wrong. I'm not going to come on here and double down that, that, I, that the Peyton, that Mannings still stink. I still think they're weirdos, but they're kind of awkward, funny guys, I guess. But I love that the guests come on. That adds a You're new layer to the too. football so game. Am I. Who cares? 
You, I, I just thought you, like you took a hardline stance for years on Peyton Manning, and now you're like, all right, I, I gave him a chance, and I like Well, you know him what? Okay. I'm so sick what? of people in this also country, like, you have to be on this for the rest of your life. You may not change your mind. Change your mind. Have an open mind about something. What's wrong with that? What the <laughs> hell is wrong with that? What's wrong with compromising? What's wrong with realizing PFL? the way you were looking at things was terrible and, and was not the right way to look at it? <laughs> What's wrong with that? Now I'm being chastised for that? Yeah, it's a little tough to swallow oh, when, you're, when your sports brother and your sports dad were sitting here Both for two years saying, fans, dude, yeah. no, he's hilarious. Go watch him on SNL. I like you the, know, Go watch him on the Manicast, and you're like, no, no. I like the broadcast. <laughs> I like the broad. It's fun. Get some fun guests on. I think that's a good thing. I like dude, that. By the way, like, can we, okay, since we're on this path here, who doesn't get it? Whoever formats the NFL's commercial structure, yeah. because when the Rock Dwayne Johnson is sipping tequila and talking football and wrestling, and they literally took like eight commercial breaks yeah. in the second quarter while the Rock was on, can we just maybe save one or two of those for the second half or something? We need eight commercial breaks, and they had—I think there was two reviews of plays. There was an injury in there somewhere. Yeah, the two-minute warning. Um, so I, I was in on that last night, but they interrupted The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, way too much. But you love, like, The Rock and, Rus- and Russell Wilson somehow with, you know, no actual media experience. At times, those guys were just, like, taking the wheel and driving the car and hosting the show. And, they, well, like, Peyton they were better off. at it than the Mannings. Peyton the- dropped off, and, and Russ just is, is like, uh, so, He's like, all right, Eli, so uh, Eli, I'm going to grab the wheel here. Yeah. yeah, it was incredible. True leadership from The Rock, Dwayne and then, Johnson. And then you and tweeted that. Russell Wilson. And Russ Danger liked it. Russ Danger did. He liked the tweet. How about that? Let me see if I can find this here. I think I screenshotted it. I think he's very insightful. No, it's good. Yeah, I'm going to see this. He's incredibly insightful. I'm never going to wash my phone again. Here, see if you can see if you guys can see this on the. That's going to disgust a little bit. There you go. Up there. There you go, Russell. There you go, Russell Wilson. Danger, Russ, and that's him. Blue check mark and all. Yeah, he slid into my DMs too. It's kind of weird. I don't know. Yeah, something about uh, begging to be traded out of Seattle, and he likes yeah, Minneapolis like, this time. Do you know much year. about Minnesota, Phil? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'll lower my cap hit. I swear to God, you guys. Okay, back to Judd. Who gets it? Who doesn't? All right, it's a positive one. Who gets it? A guy who, a football player who didn't even play in a game on Saturday, but my God, is he great? Fitzmagic, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who went to the Bills game <laughs> as a fan, I think with his kid. And at one point in time, in the freezing cold in Buffalo, there is a picture of Fitz mm-hmm. Magic with his shirt off. Yeah, and he's just he's having just like fun, scr- primal screaming and, and rooting stuff. on his bill. You know what? That's awesome. Okay, that's awesome. In a in an era where everything is taken seriously, it seems like, and there's so much back and forth negative. I love the fact that this guy just went to the Bills <laughs> game and became one with with the Bills. Mafia, that's a guy who gets it. I love it. That was hilarious, man. Like, how can you not want? I know that he's never. I don't think he's ever played in a playoff game. So, like, the only way that he can get to one is to pay his way in. Unfortunately, but I would love one year of like forty-year-old Fitzmagic as a transition quarterback mentoring whoever the Vikings draft. Let's make it happen here. Trade Kirk for like a second-round pick. Bring Fitzmagic in. Draft Malik Willis. Or Carson Strong, and, and let them be mentored by one of the great characters of all time. That guy's great, man. No mm. shirt in the Buffalo cold. That's stupid, but it's still great. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, uh, Declan, who gets it, who doesn't? All right, I have a who gets it from uh, the Minnesota Wild side of things. The Minnesota Wild get it for finally giving Kevin Fiala what he needs, and that's a legitimate playmaker on his side in Matthew Boldy. Finally, the Wild are actually leaning into the Kevin Fiala experience and giving him a legitimate playmaker, not banishing him to playing with bums like Frederick Goudreau and just whoever you want to plug in some slappy because he turns a puck over every once in a while. The Wilds' first-round pick, Matthew Boldy, has come up here and really awoken things for Kevin Fiala, and both of them have been benefiting from playing with one another. They've only spent 34 minutes of ice time together on the ice, but when they've been on the ice, they have scored five goals. They have not allowed a single goal. In the last 10 games, Kevin Fiala now has six goals in his last 10. Matthew Boldy's been a point-per-game player. This was the exact kind of thing that the Wild needed to be leaning into beforehand. And they are great dynamic. They are dynamic playmakers who complement one another. And this is exactly what Fiala needs. He needs someone who can also basically ping pong with himself. And Matthew Boldy, who has a great skill set, is now unleashing Kevin Fiala and vice versa. If if Marco Rossi can come up here, you're actually talking about the Wild having two legitimate top six lines. Because Matt Zuccarello, Kirill Kaprizov, Ryan Hartman is a pretty good top line. But Fiala and Boldy have now awoken things. And now you have two legitimate playmakers in your top six. Kudos to the Wild for giving Kevin Fiala what they needed. Get the flag. Get the flag. Get the flag. Get the flag. There it is. That's right. There it is. That's right. There it is. Y Boldy-F-I-A-L-A. With an appearance from the captain coming up as well. Just finally got his bobblehead. I got finally got my doll. My bobblehead doll from Declan. Spurgy. Spurgy's here. I love how they just put like generic, generic like thirty year old guy head. This with isn't dark too. Hair. This is actually, I think, a good one for for these. Looks a little, a little bit bad. Like I mean, he's got the hair. He's got the spurgy hair. But I could also make His a case that he looks like Pee Wee Herman or yeah. John B. Jimmy Kimmel. Like it looks like Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel. Kimmel. Skinny Jimmy Kimmel, not the heavy yeah. set Jimmy Kimmel from back in the day. He fluctuates. He fluctuates. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna. Stick with winter sports here too. You know, you know, just who gets it this season in general is the Minnesota Timberwolves. They are decidedly average across the board, and it is a glorious, refreshing breath of fresh air halfway through the season. That's right. Get that flag ready. Too. Yes. Pat Bev, Jalen Noel. Don't snub Cat. Tony Deserves Mitchell. to be an all-star. Sam Mitchell. <laughs> Doug West. <laughs> Doug West. Dean Garrett. Rosh Nesterovich. I mean, the Timberwolves, and before I get anyone saying, well, you guys crushed the Vikings for being 500 and you celebrate the Wolves. Well, one franchise has been stuck <laughs> at the same level for 30 years trying to get their way to Super Bowl. The other one has been stuck at the same level also for 17 years. The bar is lower right now for the Wolves. but So they're... Like I said, they're decidedly average across the board, and it's amazing. Like this, this is kind of what we've been asking for. Just like take a step in this direction. They're one game under five hundred, nine seed in the Western, tied for, actually for the eight seed in the Western Conference. Uh, they are average in point differential. They're exactly five and five in their last ten games. Um, they're ex- they're sixteen and fifteen in conference. Like everything screams five hundred average, and I'm here for it. <laughs> That's yeah. all. Like I. I 
If you can finish yeah, 500 this season, yes. play in the postseason, even if it's the play-in. Just the play-in. A little yeah. play-in, a little taste. And they're, yeah. they're, they're two games, or I'm sorry, they're a game and a half back of the sixth seed to avoid the play-in. And they've got some winnable games here. they got the Knicks tonight, and they got some winnable games on the horizon. So It's fun I've, watching me some average Timberwolves basketball. Let's I feel it. like the, I feel like the two most um, talked about men's basketball teams in this town are well coached now. I think Finch can coach Ben Johnson. Uh, can, I mean that it's so early on Ben Johnson, but but there's some great I, vibes. There's, great there's vibes. Something, there's something there, man. There's something there. The Hawkeyes were killing them, and they actually came back. and And I think that they they were without what three or four players from a roster that's not great to start out with. I just have a feeling about Ben Johnson that they might have hit on something. I might be wrong. No, I think. Uh, but I feel like they'd have. They I'd show like fight. They don't give up. And if you get them some better players, which he is set. I mean, he's yeah. definitely got some players coming in here in the next couple of years. And there's but. no and there's no BS from him as far as I can tell. Like, it's not smoke and mirrors. Oh, look at me. Look at what I'm doing. It's <laughs> just a very confident, relaxed, I got this. I love that from a coach. And I think this matters, too. Like, he actually loves Minnesota. And loves being Minnesota and living yeah. in Minnesota, and Patino tolerated Minnesota. Oh, barely. Yes, I agree. With he that was totally. he was always a little perplexed about the way that fans like, you know. I think he yeah. was always a little bit thrown off by. Wait a second, you guys have expectations? <laughs> like it's the really? It's I mean, this Outsiders isn't Michigan. Don't this like isn't sometimes. You're right. Yeah, I'm with you. you. Know, you know who else gets it? Federated Mutual Insurance Company. They've been helping business owners for over a hundred years. They're flag? like a they're like a good offensive line. Yeah, get the Federated flag. flag. Where's the Federated? Here, I get both flags. Woo! <laughs> both flags. Federated. Also, I, I have a flag take here in a second too. But uh, Federated, you can find all sorts of resources and a list of all the industries that they will protect at FederatedInsurance.com. Remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. We were texting. We, you know, we were on a text thread every day, the three of us. And the other day, I remember, I think I said this to you guys: like Vikings fans, we've been feeding Vikings fans the medicine that they need, right? Like mm-hmm. something's messed up. They got to make some changes. Probably need to make a change at GM, coach, and our quarterback. And mm-hmm. it's been a lot of us playing sort of bad cop with the Vikings fan base. We would love nothing more than to wave the flag for the Minnesota Vikings. You know, Judd's got a giant Vikings flag literally behind his head there. Met Stadium. Yeah. Met Stadium. Last last game at the Met against the we Chiefs. We would love to wave the Vikings flag. That flag but they need to give us a reason to wave the flag. Yeah, absolutely. They need to, they need to earn the flag. Like the Wild. Oh, have. that and could Like be the Timberwolves the, have by being competitive for the, the first Vikings time. The Vikings 2022 slogan, earn the flag. Earn the flag. Earn the flag. Earn the yeah. flag. I like we're, it. Look, we're not just going to give you the flag because you you beat the Lions late in the game at home that you were leading. Like, eh, sorry, not going to happen. You beat I am the being Bears worn with... down, though. I will say that Vikings Twitter is trying to wear Judd's old guy down. Are the are the Cousins Crusaders still coming at you? Oh like, God, yeah. And like here's zombies? here's the thing: the weirdest. But if ones... you just give Kirk, this, if, if you give Kirk this, this, not surprising. The I, I think the angriest screeds and weird ones too are at like. 3.30 a.m. And they're Bless. like fake weird accounts. Yeah. It's like no avatar. It's yes. a guy named Bob with like seven numbers after his name. And so is like that like dying Kirk's on family? a hill? I, 
Maybe there's burner Just accounts. Up late at night, mad. There could be could be burner accounts. We could have a Kevin Durant situation mm-hmm. on our hands here. And for the twins, well, fifteen accounts. You're just gonna be waiting a long time for for flags. Don't worry about baseball. Yeah, don't worry about baseball. Although, they, hey, they, hey, they hang those pennants, those division championships. Oh, I, but they're they, not gonna be. Playing, I see so those don't... flags. I go on my walk around Target Field like once a week. I see that 2020 divisional championship yeah. pennant hanging off yeah. the limestone there. Oh yeah, dude. We used to. I feel like this show. We used to pride ourselves for years on bringing you the best, in-depth, most fun twins talk. Speculation. Yeah, like a year and a half ago. And now it's like. I mean, I think we've done, like, one significant twin segment in the last six months. They're not going to play for months. Don't worry about it. They barely played last year. Right. But, but I mean, they are, the league literally thinks that, that being locked out, fans are, gonna, are going to give a damn. Fans aren't going to care. There will be some, but not many. Yeah, if they, if they miss games. Like, but here's miss here's games. the thing. Like, I'm glad that we're on this right now. So we're going we're to give you, like, 90 seconds of twins in a Major League Baseball talk here. It's your lucky day, audience. So this is such a bigger problem for baseball than it's even being reported because they've got two different massive elephant-sized bins of problems. Like bin number one is they're arguing over how to best split the revenue pie and then how to best like get players to free agency and make it fair you know, they're trying to figure out the whole financial and payment system and when players can become free agents, team control. Like, there's so much to untangle there. And then there's this other bin that's not even being talked about that needs to be figured out at some point in the next few months. It's how to make the game more fun, appealing, modern, and connect with a younger audience. Yes. And I have a feeling that they're going to get so hung up on the financial side of things, and yes. they're not even going to fix all that. They're just going to fix some of it, and it's going to leak into, like, May and June that they're going to neglect maybe the bigger thing, which is how do you keep your sport healthy and alive for a current generation that doesn't care about you and future generations that probably won't care about you, right? Unfortunately, the the um, parallel, and this is both good and really bad, is the, the 2004-05 lockout by the National Hockey League. Now, the bad is they lost an entire season. The good is because it took so long they actually came back with with a lot of changes in the rules mm-hmm. that sped the game up i mean phil i can't tell you the first four four years of the wild was damn near unwatchable and it mm-hmm. wasn't just them um that last stanley cup between the flames and lightning was putrid <laughs> like i i'm not being i'm not it was right. awful it was as bad as baseball but the problem is they lost an entire year. I, I fear baseball is going to lose a ton of time here because when they really sit down to talk, they're going to realize the magnitude of their problems. Yeah. Like now it's like, we'll give you almost nothing. Will you take it? Players are like, no. But when they really sit down to talk, they are going to have to talk about the fact that this game's in huge trouble. But, like, who's thinking on behalf of the players and or the league, who's thinking about these games take too long, they're too slow, they're too boring, everything drags on too much, there's not enough appointment viewing, there's no appointment view. I know it's it's so localized that, you know, appointment viewing is going to differ compared to the NFL where, like, a team from Buffalo can play a team from Green Bay and the entire nation's going to watch it. Baseball doesn't have that power anymore. And someone has to figure out some way to inject some life 
into the game and make it more must-watch and make the offseason more interesting like it was this year because you had a deadline before the league shut down. I don't know, man. The old, the old billionaire white guys have to shut up and listen to players. And Play, isn't Theo Epstein supposed the to be consulting on behalf of these teams too? Like, isn't he like a special consultant? I don't to... know, but it's the players. It's the players who have the best chance to properly point out the problems and probably fixes. Not a bunch of guys who, who are sixty-five uh, named Stewart. <laughs> Stewart. Stewart. Is there an owner named Stewart? I don't know, but it sounds like just some old white guy, Stuart. Hey, Stuart. Yeah, I was my coffee. I, I haven't. I haven't. Where's my Morning said. Times? I want to read the Times. Where's the Wall Street Journal? I have a seventy-year-old uncle named Stuart. So, yeah. do you really? <laughs> yes. I nailed it. That's twice the De La Salle date. Oh. Nailed this. I am on fire today. Oh, on Stuart, MLB owner. This one, I Google this. No, no, I think I don't think there yeah. is one. Like, no, but it sounds like an old white guy who might be involved <laughs> in the team, right? Like, hey, Stuart. Hey, Stu. Yes, Ben. Ben, what's going on? Have you have you gotten your times yet? No, just this crappy New York Post. I hate the Post. All gossip. Hilarious. All right, yeah. so uh, I don't know. we uh, we funny. didn't we didn't fix baseball there, but we pointed at all the problems. So <sighs> good luck fixing it. All right, that's Mackie and Judd today. Write that down and an accountability session on tomorrow's show and Alex Boone on Purple Daily today, giving his thoughts on the state of the Minnesota Vikings. See you guys tomorrow. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. As fall fills up with activities and obligations, even a small time saver can feel like a big help. Grammarly is an all-in-one writing tool that makes clear, concise communication easier than ever, so you can finish your work earlier and head off to family dinners, social events, and fall weddings. Grammarly is free to download and works where you do, so every project gets finished quicker. Make sure your writing is free of mistakes with Grammarly's free, comprehensive writing suggestions and get an instant take on how your message comes across with the free tone detector. Let Grammarly Premium's Sentence Clarity Rewrites help you find the perfect words on the first try. You'll be confident writing client emails, deadline-driven reports, and presentations without staying late at the office. Get more time back in your day by writing with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcasts to sign up for a free account. Then get 20% off when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium. That's Grammarly.com slash podcasts.